Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Pornography. I think many of us can agree that it's a controversial topic. It's also something that has been around for a really long time, maybe as long as there have actually been humans. And it used to be something hidden away in back rooms of video stores or behind brown wrappers on the magazine shelf. Now it's available at the touch of your fingers. So what makes it so appealing and how can you keep it from messing up your relationships? Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, Diane Gleim. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and an AASECT, that's a mouthful, certified sex therapist and supervisor practicing in Northern California. Now, as the first certified sex therapist in her county, Diane treats the many diverse issues related to sexual identity, sexual expression, sexual behavior, and sexual relationships. So, Diane, thanks for being on this show and talking about what is pervasive, but I think a really misunderstood and just hot topic for a lot of people. Hi, Leslie, and thanks for having me on your program to discuss this issue Yes, I agree. I think there is so much confusion and misinformation and judgment and morality about the topic of porn that all of that can be really <laughs> distracting when discussing this issue. So I'm, I'm glad to speak with you about it and to help sort of piece out this complex issue. Well, because you know, I came across your piece that you wrote for Psychology Today titled, to the wife upset about her husband's porn viewing, an open letter from a sex therapist. And I really found it very interesting. I loved the perspective, and, and I love that, you know, I mean, there are so many people who get so upset about it. It, it. it shows up in my office. It shows up, obviously, in your office. But any time we're talking about sexual behavior, sexual relationships, Pornography is, going, is frequently showing up. So what is it about pornography that makes it a problem for some people? I think the way issues with pornography have been conceptualized is that, um, at least the larger narrative out there, mm-hmm. is that the problem is the porn itself. When, in fact, there are many, many people, individuals, and couples who consume pornography and all the different types of pornography that's out there. And what I mean by that is whether it's videos, photography, photographs, written literature, paintings, Uh cartoons and animation, um, audio podcasts. I mean, the list is long and and, um, there's so much different sort of types of media Uh that that fall under the category, the broad category of pornography. Right. So um, there are many people who consume porn who do not have a problematic relationship with it. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that the issue is not the porn itself, regardless of what you may think or feel about porn, but rather mm-hmm. the viewer or the consumer. And right. what I mean is what is the individual bringing, what are they bringing, so to speak, to the experience of consuming porn? Mm-hmm. So this can be things like, an undiagnosed, I'm going to give you a list. It can okay. be 
things like an undiagnosed or untreated mental health issue like anxiety, depression, or trauma. Uh It can be substance use or abuse, poor coping skills Uh with either Uh internal emotional states or external stressors like work or finances. Um, It could be another factor can be unrecognized sexual shame. Uh, Another is beliefs about sexuality and sexual expression. Like Mm -hmm. maybe the person has ideas like do's and don'ts when it comes to sex and porn. uh, Inadequate sex education is also another factor. What is the state of their sexual relationship with their partner and how do they feel about it? Uh, Another is do they have a tendency to dissociate? Do they have a tendency to avoid difficult situations with their partner? Uh And or do they not know how to assert their wants and needs in a respectful manner to their partner? And this is just a short (laughs) list of of common issues I see in my practice. Right. With my clients when they're struggling with porn. These are one or more of these is frequently part of the mix. Mm-hmm. So when these are when these are present, porn becomes a way to pivot from something difficult mm-hmm. and is an effective distraction. So again, it's not that porn is the problem, but rather the individual is struggling with something and porn becomes an effective and convenient way to feel different or to feel better or to mm-hmm. get their mind off something difficult or painful. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, I mean, and, and that's like the whole thing about, you know, alcohol in, in and of itself isn't a problem. It's whether or not it's abused. I mean, you know, it's, it's like you can actually, right. you know, I mean, and, and, and I, why, right. and, and I know and why that. Why would you be abusing it? Right. right. Why, are you, why would you be abusing it? Right. Right. And I know but that. Even, but even, but even that, Leslie, is not an equal, you know, equating it or mm-hmm. I understand the parallel, the, right. you know, equating it to alcohol, a substance. But the difference is when we consume a substance like alcohol, we have no way of stopping its effects until our bodies have metabolized it. And mm. okay. And pe- people say, oh, you know, have somebody drink a cup of coffee, right? You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't change anything. That doesn't t- right. You then you just have you know a very alert drunk. Right. <laughs> you have a wide awake drunk. Okay. You have a wide awake drunk exactly, and and I don't think that's a fair or equal um, okay. analogy because because with pornography we're making we're making decisions. We may not be kind of fully aware of the decisions we're making about, I'm going to go online. I'm going to look something up. I'm going to watch this video, but not that video. I'm Uh going to watch this for two minutes and then I'm going to stop. And then I'm going to search uh, for another video or something, right? Like there are decisions being made along the way. Okay. And so what are some of the problems that you see, um, that are a result of exposure to pornography. And before you answer that question, because I did want to say something about, because I know some sex therapists, and I don't know if you're one of them, who actually will maybe make a suggestion as part of the couple's um, reconnecting that, you know, that certain types of pornography, I mean, you know, and and it's interesting because as you you were going through the list, I'm thinking a lot of the bodice ripper romance novels are basically pornography. Their pornography is disguised. I mean, you yeah. know, 
I was just That's I was just reading I was just reading a, a a mystery and and there is like a very graphic sex scene in the middle of it which was not what I was expecting but it's like well okay I mean and that's technically right. por- I mean I would think that's that right. would fall under pornography so right. that's written that's what I meant by written literature right and those mm-hmm. are still available at my local grocery store around the corner from my home oh and, and in the and, library and in the library <laughs> right great point Great point. So why do we have certain thoughts and feelings about that sort of pornography, Mm -hmm. written literature, and we have different thoughts and feelings about other kinds, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the much more complicated issue. Mm -hmm. So um, you asked about what are some of the problems, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the problems I see as a result of an individual consuming porn is that, uh, for example, Doing so can exasperate an already existing mental health issue, uh, mm-hmm. can also can make it worse, particularly when that mental health issue is undiagnosed or untreated. And so when a person has, say, anxiety or depression or trauma, but not getting adequate care for it, consuming porn can make that anxiety, depression, or trauma worse. Okay. Same goes with substance use and abuse. Mm-hmm. And in my practice, I find I also find that someone who has an who who already has a struggling marriage when they are I'm sorry when they all have an already struggling marriage consuming porn makes the marital dynamic worse mm-hmm. meaning rarely do I see a client who reports having a great marriage and a great sex life consuming porn in a problematic way so in my experience, porn consumption doesn't create problems, but rather makes existing problems worse. Okay. And so one of the things, and I know, I mean, I, I, I had a client not terribly long ago, and he, like many, I mean, he was, I don't know, he's probably in his mid-30s, mid, mid maybe late 30s, maybe 40, um, not, not a terribly old guy but so he he kind of grew up in this relatively easy access to pornography and you know he he used you know he used pornography prior to his marriage and his you know his his wife prior to them getting married told him it was not okay he agreed not to do it but that wasn't what actually happened and so you know when she found out he was using it you know using it again it was just Mm -hmm. like you know, I mean, there were so many layers to that, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it was, you know, it, it became, it became the thing. Um, yep. and, you know, and I'm sure that's not an unusual thing that you see because, I mean, it, it is so easily accessible, especially for, you know, young people. And I would, you know, I mean, I, I know you're familiar with the, the, expression about that the nerves that fire together wire together and mm-hmm. sex yes. feels good you know whether you <laughs> you right. know and so you're sure. creating this connection to this really positive feeling that now then becomes a potentially a problem later on or am i miss miss missing something well, I would have, I would ask that young man. Uh, well, I would ask them both. Why? What? What is her discomfort about mm-hmm. him consuming porn? What is that about? But also, what's really important is he needs to have a, a really good understanding of 
Why is he turning to porn when he's turning to porn? What Mm -hmm. is he looking for it to do? It could be everything. You know, if he was using it uh, or rather consuming it while he was single, maybe that was his only sexual outlet, his Uh only sexual expression. Right. He may be using it to maybe he's depressed and he use, and he views porn to have a temporary lift in his mood. Maybe he uh, has anxiety and uh, having an orgasm and ejaculation while watching porn calms him. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's it could be so many other things is my is my point. But like to help him understand what what what's the function of it? What's mm-hmm. it doing for him? And and to talk with him about what does he get out of it um, for him to better understand that. And, and she's, she's perfectly allowed to have her opinions uh-huh. um, about pornography and all of its variations uh, and all of its manifestations and to talk about, but it's important for her to say why she's uncomfortable, what she doesn't like about him consuming porn. Uh-huh. And that's really the issue, right? Like you said, porn becomes the thing. Well, uh-huh. not really porn. It's, maybe it's about um, his autonomy. Maybe, she, maybe she's uncomfortable about um, some aspect of his sexuality uh-huh. that she doesn't have access to, that he keeps for himself. Um, uh, like I said, maybe, maybe it's about this is how he manages a mental health issue. Uh, it could be so many things, right? And so, so porn becomes this sort of convenient cover to, uh-huh. to sidestep some much deeper, more intimate, more vulnerable conversations. Yeah, and, I, and I'd argue that's on both sides because, yes. you know, it, it, both, both why he uses it and, as you were talking about, her reaction to it. I mean, and I know that there are a, there, you know, there's, there are a lot of people, a lot, a lot of women who find pornography demeaning, and some of it can be very demeaning, um, but mm-hmm. some, of it, some of it isn't necessarily. And, you know, and, and, right. and, I, and going back to the conversation about the books, you know, it, it's sort of like, okay, so I'm watching video, but you're reading the right. bodice rippers. Help me understand <laughs> right. the difference. Why, but of course, in yeah. your mind, in your mind, why is one different than the other in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about trying to convince her to think differently. It's about sort of um, talking more you know, having a more thorough, open conversation about it as a, in pursuit of better understanding on all sides for everybody. Right. Because again, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of the same thing with somebody, you know, if somebody has an affair because things aren't going well in their marriage, it's like, okay, you just now made it all about the affair as opposed to what was not going well in your marriage and we can't have a conversation. And I think sometimes pornography is the same way that we're, and especially in, in our society where sex is used to sell, but it's also used to shame. Right. And (laughs) and in that example about the affair is, you know, uh, things weren't, how did you phrase it? Things aren't going well. You know, I had an affair because things weren't going well in my marriage. Well, that's blaming the marriage. Right. And, you know, so much of psychotherapy is about helping people identify what's their part in things. And I would say reverse or flip those two parts of that sentence. Things weren't going well in my marriage. So I had an affair. Exactly. um, Yeah. Did I say that right? (laughs) 
Well, you need to edit that. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, but but I mean, but but it's it's you know, but again, it's getting at what you're talking about is what is driving this, right? And is there understanding right. and more to the right. point informed choice? And we're taking responsibility, right? That's mm-hmm. sort of the point I was trying to make about your example with the affair, right? Uh, you know, I had an affair because things weren't going well in my marriage. So that's blaming the marriage for my decision mm-hmm. to have an affair. When, right. you know, any good couples therapist worth <laughs> their muster would say, well, two things can be true, but one doesn't necessarily cause the other. Meaning right. that, yes, things, things maybe were not good in the marriage and perhaps you cope, made the decision to cope with that by having an affair. Exactly. So I want to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having an important conversation about pornography and its impact in relationships with licensed marriage and family therapist and AASECT certified sex therapist, Diane Gleim. And maybe you use porn, or your spouse does. Maybe you even use it together. Maybe you're okay with it, but your partner isn't, or the other way around. It can be mm-hmm. disruptive and sometimes destructive. But if it's an issue in your marriage, there are some things you can do to address it in a healthy way. And I invite you to take action now and either send me an email or give me a phone call and take advantage of your free, no-obligation, five-star relationship call. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S. Coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation with Diane about pornography. So, Diane, what? makes it difficult to stop using pornography even when it's being made apparent that it's creating some challenges? Yeah, good question. So let me first say that uh, I steer clear of using the language or using the phrase using porn. Mm-hmm. Um, first okay. of all, that, that is the language of addiction culture and that is not something I ascribe to in my work. Okay. Um, I think it's also a way of distancing from the experience. Um, but second, whenever I hear that phrase, using porn, I always think, well, using it for what? <laughs> porn, <laughs> consumption, porn consumption is frequently a substitute coping mechanism. So uh-huh. in the same way we may, quote, use exercise to calm our anxiety, but we don't ever say, I use exercise to calm myself. We say, I exercise to, manage, to help manage my stress. Right. So I always, I always like to make a point uh, that it's, it's, it's more accurate to say watching porn, viewing porn, or consuming porn. So okay. I don't mean to be a stickler around no, semantics, no. and I'm not, and I'm not trying to make any comment about you, Leslie. So no, 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 no. But, I but, think- but I, I do appreciate the correction because, because in, in my view, words do matter, and and, yes, and how we string them right. together creates a a meaning that as you're saying may not may may neither be useful nor accurate that's right thank you exactly exactly it's not accurate it's not accurately describing right so again when people say use porn i say well use it for what (laughs) um so 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 so, so right it's your question so um 
uh, about taking your question about what can make it difficult for someone to stop consuming porn, I think there are many, many possible reasons. It can depend mm-hmm. on the individual and their circumstances. So it can be an impulsive decision or a compulsive decision. And that, again, underscores a mental health process. Mm-hmm. You know, remember, there are so many things us humans do over and over in our lives that can create problems for us. Right. It's not just a person's relationship with porn. Right. Often porn is a is an effective distraction in the short term. And that's only what the individual is considering if they are even considering anything at all. You know, uh, as a person, you know, as, as a therapist, Leslie, I'm sure you understand this phrase, but I want to kind of describe it a little bit that sure. a person can sort of, quote unquote, go unconscious, as we like to say, in psychotherapy, mm-hmm. meaning there's a part of their psyche or themselves that is unknown or hidden to their conscious mind and temporarily it takes it temporarily takes the reins. So that can that in itself, when a person says, I'm not really sure why I kept watching porn for such a long period of time or I I'm I you know, I know watching porn causes problems, there's some sort of unconscious process that's taking the reins around this. And again, that generally implies a mental health issue. And a history of trauma is a common one. In your article, and I was reading this, and uh, about some of the things that you tell, you know, in this letter to wives about what what consuming porn is not about. And I and I do know that for many women, they think that their husbands are comparing them. Right. And, but I right. think you kind of said that's – in your conversations with many of the men, you're going, that's not what they're doing. Um, right, yes. Right. So can, can you expand a little bit on what, on what, you, what you advise women? Sure. So um, when I'm working with couples, I strongly encourage – it's heterosexual couples because um, mm-hmm. let me – Uh, mention this to you, but I know this, I like to remind myself and my clients that in many gay couples, they view porn as a fact of life and that their partner's sexual life and imagination extends beyond them. Uh I mean, how refreshing, how refreshing (laughs) is that? That the understanding is that we cannot be, nor should uh, expect to be our partner's sexual everything or vice versa. Uh Right. But I think I think that in and of itself would be a revolutionary idea for straight couples to take on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to look at the beliefs and values contributing as to why they may think otherwise. So um, your, your, your question about for the partners, for the, for the mm-hmm. wives. So you're right. Frequently um, a girlfriend or a wife can personalize his decision-making and say it's because um, I am not attractive enough or I don't, I don't, I refuse to do some of the things in porn, you know, that he's watching. Right. And, and you're right. Yeah. I talked about that in my psychology today blog that you saw and every man I have ever worked with has told me his porn viewing habits are not about that at all. That, um, that it's for some other reason. It's for something like frequently when, when people go on a journey of self-discovery and psychotherapy, rarely, you know, they rarely start off knowing all the reasons why they do something. But they, sure. can, they, can, they can quickly identify what's not a motivator, 
Right. And so men can, can tell me in the privacy of an individual psychotherapy session where there are no consequences, you know, I'm not going to punish him in some way for telling mm-hmm. me his truth that, um, that he's not watching it out of, you know, comparing his partner to the, you know, to the actors in porn. Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell the female partner, you need to believe that despite whatever may be going on with your own sexual self-esteem, uh-huh. right? That can be right. And particularly as women get older, there's lots of stuff around aging and, and changing bodies and all of that. And, and most men tell me, you know, um, I enjoy the sex life that I have in my monogamous relationship. And I tend to believe that too. Because uh, uh-huh. porn's usually, usually, not always, about something else. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that could be a really hard thing, um, you know, to be told. It's, it's like, well, it isn't. I'm, I'm not comparing you. That there's a party that's like, well, how can you not be? And it's like, but, but it is a question of why do you think he's lying to you? I mean, and, right. and again, why are you, why are you struggling to believe him? Why are you struggling to believe him? You know, and and in some respects, as you said, that it brings up my own anxiety or, you know, my own issues around it that now gets projected onto somebody else because I'm not doing my own examination of right. what this is about. Right. Um, I'm not managing my own sexual insecurities well. Right. You know, and, and, and I do think that just as a society, we do a horrendous job of teaching anybody <laughs> about sexuality, what it means. And I, and I, love, the, I love your description of the, of, of the gay couples who, who recognize, I mean, you know, that we can't be every, everything to one other person. There's, it's just not... It's just not even right. possible, but we have this happily ever after myth, which is why I call my show what I do. Um, you know, this right. idea that this one person, my soulmate, gag me, um, you know, is once I find this one perfect person, everything in my life is going to be perfect and, and all I will need is this one person. It's like, oh my God, talk about pressure. <laughs> yes. And externalizing the solution. Right. Right. I don't have to work on myself. I don't have to do anything. This other person is going to make my life great. Oh, and and not only are they going to make my my life great, they're going to do it magically without me even having to talk to them about it. (laughs) Right, right. They're going to be able to read my mind. Right. Right. So what is the best way for couples to approach this issue in a more productive way than, than I think most couples do. I think, I think this could be, you know, like a lot of other things, you know, what is it? Sex, the, the, the two hardest things for people to talk about are sex and money because, right. because they right. are extraordinarily personal and they're not yeah. about sex and money at all, but about what those things right. mean. Um, but the what value, is, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what is the best yeah. way to, to, to approach this? So I think the first thing to do is uh, if to have the porn consumer who has a problem, problematic relationship with porn 
uh, most likely needs to get into their own individual therapy with a therapist who understands the complexity and nuances of this issue mm-hmm. and work to understand why are they making the choices they're making. I was kind of talking about that earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. And a process like this takes time and patience and commitment, and their partner needs to practice patience as well. They may have lots of questions. Why are you doing this? Why did you break this promise? Things like uh-huh. that. And to understand that the porn consumer may not, again, those, that may be in their not conscious mind and it takes mm-hmm. some work to, to get there. Um, and then bringing that, bringing whatever, whatever the porn consumer learns about him or herself, usually him, himself Uh to his partner and saying, here's what's going on for me. Um, And again, that could be any of those things I mentioned at the very beginning around a mental health issue or, or substance use or something. Right. And making some changes in his life and seeing if his relationship with porn changes in any way accordingly. Uh Um, The other thing is that, Many couples engage in a pattern of avoidance uh-huh. of not discussing questionable behavior, such as a sexual life separate from each other. And I'm talking like masturbation, uh-huh. pornography viewing, or a fantasy life. Uh-huh. And couples have all kinds of unspoken agreements or assumptions. And if they get broken or violated, only then do they speak up. Uh-huh. Because it's easier to speak from a place of blame or anger or complain about something or your partner yep. than acknowledging, acknowledging their pain and asking for what they want or need, which you and I both know is so vulnerable to do. And um, so understanding that most likely there are uh, unspoken assumptions about sex uh-huh. and working to bring those up in conversation and into the light, because this will help clarify a lot of things and allow for the couple to engage in a process of negotiation and understanding about mutual understanding about these agreements. Well, and finally, yeah. Well, but I mean, and and what you're saying is so important and it's, to me, it is one of the wonderful things about a relationship. If you can figure out how to do it, because it, it really is that vulnerability that being able, that that ability to feel safe, emotionally safe, to share these things that you know we you know that are scary to share. Somebody somebody might not understand it. Somebody might judge us for it. You know, we may have been punished for it in the past. Right. Right. You know, and, or and, I may and, or I may feel I may feel my own sexual shame about it, and it's really mm-hmm. hard for me to show that part of myself because I fear you may shame me as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So so right. so creating that that's that sense of vulnerability that allows us to have that conversation. And I, I apologize yeah. I interrupted you. You're gonna say one thing. I don't do you okay. remember what it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. last okay. thing. Okay. Uh, it was it was one it was one more point and I also think it's a really important point. And and that is um, a couple can manage this productively by understanding that they may not totally agree one hundred percent with each other on the topic of porn. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to because <laughs> Do, do couples agree 100% on other issues in their marriage, like money or parenting or health or, you know, how often to clean the toilet? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> right? This, this difference around porn does not have to be a threat to their relationship or their connection. That is a decision that they make. Uh-huh. How big of an issue do they make this? 
Right. Well, and you can make just as a big issue about the toilet or yep. money as you can about porn. Right. And, and, and I love that you said that because, you know, that, that to me is the biggest challenge of a, of a long-term relationship is how do you manage, acknowledge, and then manage your differences because you are going to be different. Um, I, That's right. I think it's a paraphrasing of George Patton that if two people agree on everything, one of them isn't necessary. So <laughs> I'm like, you're not. And, right. but, but, but this is the thing that I think seems to um, surprise people. And, yeah. you know, and then there are certain things that, like you said, you know, um, there's expectations, there's assumptions, there's judgments which yeah. sometimes we don't even realize we're judging people because, well, that's the way it was done in my household, which means it was the right way. And now, right. you know, right. whether it's whether it's how you spend money or, or sexuality or how you fold the towels. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Right. You know, and, right. And, and, and I do think that when it becomes, you know, that there's so many other things to this, it's not, like you said, it's it's how it's being consumed. It's why it's being consumed. It's why do I have a problem with it? You know, and right, right. and you know, and all of that is is an example of a healthy relationship when we can come to the table and actually share in a non-judgmental, non-attacking way. Not like you're yeah. bad for doing this, but here's how I experience this. Tell me how you experience this. Right, right, exactly, yeah, Leslie, yes. Which is, again, oh, my goodness, maturity. <laughs> yes, right. right. What a concept. And, right. and, in that, and in that, right, in that concept of maturity is that each of us have our own agency and autonomy, uh-huh. that we can make our own individual decisions that we feel is right for us, for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, and then we have to decide, you know, going back to my client and, you know, that he agreed to something he didn't really agree to because he was actually just avoiding the pain. Right, or he felt like he was making this decision under duress, right? Yes. What, what, if I, what if I say no, right? Uh-huh. I'm sure there was a part of him that, uh-huh. that you know, that, he, that evaluated that, right? A cost-benefit uh, analysis. Yeah, which is really what's going on. And, you know, and, some, and sometimes... Um, we, we, you know, and again, this is something that I wish younger people were, because I think back to my 19-year-old self and think, go, thank God, nobody, thank God, certain questions weren't asked because it would have been a disaster. <laughs> because sure. I just, sure. I just, I didn't know myself. I didn't know, you know, and and we're not, you know, helping people understand where these thoughts are coming from, where these behaviors are coming from, not from. A place of judgment but from a place of oh well that's really interesting what what was that about yeah. what was going on that that sense of oh my gosh I could Curiosity. share this yeah, yeah. and I'm not going to be judged and believe me that you know and and sometimes we can find that what we want out of life isn't compatible and that's a no harm, no foul. I can love you, wish you well on your journey. We just want different things out of life. No different from I want children, you don't. Right. I, you know, I want this kind of lifestyle, you don't. Okay, that's fine. And, you know, but then again, that's dealing with our own pain, which we all want to avoid as much as possible. It's not easy to do, right? Yep. Well, Diane, thank you so much. Could you please share where people can learn more about this? 
there's my website, www.dianegleim.com, D-I-A-N-E-G-L-E-I-M.com. I also write, uh, like you know, I write a blog on the Psychology Today website. So if you just Google Diane Gleim Psychology Today blogs, uh, I, write a, uh, I write a bunch of blogs there. And on social media, you can find me on Instagram. I am It's Me, Diane, the C-S-T, as in Certified Sex Therapist. It's Me, Diane, the C-S-T. And on Facebook, just Diane Gleim, LMFT. Great. So we've been talking about this, and pornography is easy to access. It's available 24-7 and never says no. That's part of its appeal, but also what makes avoiding it can be challenging. And like most things relationship-oriented, as you've heard today, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. But if it's creating tension in your marriage, it needs to be addressed in a clear and compassionate way. How you tackle it will determine the health and success of your marriage. And I hope that you have found this show as informative as I have. And I hope you will continue listening. And until next week, stay loving.